0: Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of Pro Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show!
1: Hey everyone, this is Gabe. On... Thursday, April 11th at 3.30 p.m., Mike DeWine signed Senate Bill 23, the six-week abortion ban. The day before the bill was signed, the Ohio House voted on the bill, Uh, and we heard some amazing testimony both from Ohioans before the House gathered and during the House session. So we're going to play some of that audio for you today. First, you're going to hear Representative Janine Boyd, of Cleveland Heights. She's the ranking Democrat on the Ohio House Health Committee, and she led the opposition in the committee hearings. Uh, she was also the first speaker at our media event outside the Ohio State House.
2: Uh, so I'm Janine Boyd. I have the privilege uh, of serving in the Ohio House of Representatives representing House District 9. That's Cleveland Heights, Shaker Heights, University Heights, and Wards 2 and 4 of Cleveland. And I really wish that we were here all of us uh, rallying to celebrate maybe a unanimous vote on paid family and medical leave so that uh, pregnant uh, women who work could really take care of themselves in their pregnancies i wish We could be rallying to celebrate a unanimous vote on a gun relinquishment bill to protect women who experience violence. But sadly, once again, we are here. While in one chamber, where our sisters in the Senate are fighting, our brothers and sisters on the other side of the aisle are legislating the gutting of Ohio's conceal and carry laws. And in this chamber, where my sisters and I fight in the House, we will once more vote on an abortion ban. And this one is the most severe and extreme in the nation. Forcing nearly all pregnant women. Let me say that again. The state of Ohio through this bill is attempting to force nearly all women all pregnant women to carry their pregnancies to term no matter what no matter what danger that pregnancy means to that woman's to that woman's health whether it be physical emotional the state of ohio wants to force all pregnant women to carry their pregnancy to term so while i was in this series of uh, hearings that really uh, several times throughout betrayed the democratic process. Um, I encountered these amazing witnesses, right, who travel here to tell their stories. They're very painful, heartbreaking stories. So while I have this microphone, I want to thank every single person who came to the State House right. yeah. and to the Senate and told their stories. And I uh, engaged the democratic process on behalf of so many who couldn't be uh, here to testify. I want to thank everyone who wrote their testimonies and submitted them because writing your story can sometimes be even more painful than telling it. So I want to thank every person who did that. I want to thank one of my constituents who left me this incredible voicemail message, but right after the first hearing when senator rogner presented the bill and we started with uh, roughly 30 or more uh, proponents to the bill uh, testifying and she called me and she left me this voicemail message that was so i mean i was shook all weekend i that weekend i cried pretty heavily uh, off and on i would like to just share a brief uh, portion of her story Uh, she was pregnant Uh, at one point after learning that she was also at risk for uh, having uh, ovarian cancer. And at her 20 week ultrasound, they found that one fetus had died. She was pregnant with twins and the other was severely developmentally compromised because of twin to twin transfusion syndrome. So that fetus was missing his brain. So doctors recommended an abortion. But she was living in Missouri at the time. And they did not allow abortion at that point in the pregnancy. It was illegal. So she was forced to carry her dead and dying fetuses to term, risking her life. She lives in my district now, and I'm grateful for her. When I told that story in committee, speaking with a witness who uh, was a proponent to the bill. That gentleman said to me, and it's you know recorded on the Ohio channel. You just have to go back and watch it. He said to me, that story is exaggerated. That doesn't happen. I cannot understand an interest that overshadows every other interest that really does mean life. You know, my brothers and sisters on the other aisle, gutting, concealing carry, and forcing pregnant women to carry their pregnancies to term no matter what, and equating those things with freedom and life, that breaks my heart. And you have probably been watching the news we've been talking a lot lately about maternal and infant mortality from the governor's office to the legislature and quite frankly we cannot talk about how ohio is has the worst stats in the african-american community and people of color uh, in terms of maternal and infant mortality we can't talk about those things we can't talk about a healthy pregnancy and leave those things out, right? So I wanna uh, share with you that today, we're creating and introducing the Ohio maternal, the Ohio Black Maternal Health Caucus. And we are going to work towards policies that really empower women especially black women to control their bodies we are going to try to legislate and create an atmosphere in which people can trust women especially black women to take care of their bodies because right now women are not trusted I'm getting fired up and I still have a floor speech to deliver. <laughs> so I, I'm going to bring up uh, one of our NARAL sisters to speak now. Uh, she does program and research. Miss, uh, Miss Underwood, um, where, okay. I'm going to bring Miss Underwood up to speak uh, on behalf of NARAL. I want to thank everyone for being here, everyone up here, everyone out there. Uh, we need your support. Please continue to support us. This is a fight. To fight for women, healthy women, healthy pregnancies. And for women to just choose what is best for them. So thank you for your continued support. We'll see you on the floor.
1: After Representative Boyd, uh, we're going to hear Ashley Underwood with NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Then we're going to hear Representative Beth Liston who's a doctor trained at Notre Dame University and opposes this bill because it's scientifically inaccurate.
3: Um, Those of us born with wombs are not voiceless vessels. We are not incubators. We are not the concubines of movements whose moral compass instructs them to deny us autonomy. Our bodies should not be treated as the sole piece of incriminating evidence when conception is the result of violation and violence. And yet, each time the Ohio legislator further restricts restricts abortion access for the thousands of constituents who need it, the state of Ohio treats us as such. Abortion access does not make the womb the most dangerous place for a child inequitable health care pandemic racism physicians lacking cultural competency and legislators better suited for leadership within private places of worship oh instead of public service make the womb the most dangerous place for a child yeah. Yeah. it is legislators who take it upon themselves to draft bills such as the six-week ban. A ban that will adversely impact the health of their tax paying constituents who make the womb the most dangerous place for a child. And this danger extends far beyond pregnancy. Ohio's abysmal maternal and infant mortality rates are proof that a portion of the legislature Ohioans vote in to protect and serve us is actively working to debilitate and destroy us. There are articles detailing research studies that show limiting abortion access contributes to poor maternal health outcomes. And there are countless examples, both historical and modern day, that show societies in which the thriving health of women and children directly correlates to the overall well-being and prosperity of all. Abortion is health care. Abortion is a life-saving procedure abortion is moral and good people have abortions those of us born with wounds regardless of the lives we lead are valuable we are worthy and we are deserving to be treated as school citizens in the state we reside we deserve the right to make decisions for ourselves our families our bodies and our lives so let's stop the bands in Ohio, please. Thank you for listening. And up next, we will have state representatives and medical director, Beth Liston.
0: Thank you, thank you all for coming and all of my um, sisters and, and brothers who stand behind this message. Um, my name is Beth Liston I am an internal medicine and pediatrics physician and I am also a house representative uh, for northwest corner of Franklin County and I'm here because if this bill goes into effect women will die we have seen this happen all across the country and all over the world restrictive abortion laws don't decrease abortions they certainly don't decrease Unintended pregnancies, but they do lead to increased death. The evidence and data are clear. Now, some have argued that this bill is based on science and medicine, that the heartbeat is the medical standard for life. And as a physician, I can tell you that this is absolutely false. There is no medical way to support a six week, or 12 week, or even an 18 week fetus. Simply put, you need lungs and a brain to live and no amount of technology we have will change this this bill is not about science or medicine or advancing technologies it's not even about helping babies this bill is about ideology it is the ideology that the state should ignore evidence and impose a singular view of life religion, and morality at odds with data, and at odds with the views of the majority of people in Ohio, and the end result is that people will die. This bill is extreme. It will force women to continue pregnancies at risk to themselves, even if there is no chance for a healthy outcome. Under this bill, fetuses with severe abnormalities will be forced into this world only to suffer and die. Those without a brain or those with severe malformation of their heart and lungs they may still have a heartbeat and yes this does happen and under this bill physicians who would follow best practices for the pregnant woman and her health would face criminal charges the health of all Ohioans are going to suffer what doctor wants to practice in a state where they may go to jail for helping their patient and doing what is best for her. Where will the state's interference in medical care end? How many women will need to die before we start using data and not ideology to make decisions? I am heartened by all of the people behind me, in front of me, and around us that understand this and are here to stand for women. I am certainly voting no on this bill today and I would urge my colleagues across the aisle to do the same. No matter the outcome, I stand with you and all of of my colleagues as we continue to fight for health and wellness for women and families in Ohio. Thank you.
1: In the House chambers, we heard from multiple members of the Ohio House Democratic Caucus, including Representative Erica Crowley and Representative Lisa Sebecki. Both of these women revealed to the House of Representatives their experiences as rape survivors and how that shapes their opposition to the bill. Mr the chair recognizes Representative Crowley.
4: This speech is the one that I have been dreading. As many of you may know by now about my background, um, because Jim Siegel from the Dispatch so graciously wrote a profile on me and my background and how I got here to the State House. I am only here by the grace of God and my lived experiences, not my education, and not how I was willing to die for my country when I enlisted in the Navy. I am here because of the people who I represent that have similar experiences as I do. I am my neighbors, and my neighbors are me. And the one thing that Siegel was able to capture in that article is that I am a mother of twin girls. But how I became a mother was after a very long battle. I found out that I was pregnant after going to Planned Parenthood. I just want to thank them for always providing me with breast exams and pap smears when I didn't have insurance. On and off for over 20 years. I was seven weeks pregnant. A couple of days later, I thought I was having a miscarriage. I drove myself to the emergency room, only to find out that I was pregnant with twins. I didn't have my regular OBGYN appointment for a few weeks because, again, I had no insurance so I had to apply for Medicaid. Thank you, Medicaid. After. I saw my OBGYN for the first time at 11 weeks pregnant. Um, went for a regular follow-up, everything was fine. About 18, I was 18 weeks, um, had been having some discomfort for two days, laid up with my feet up because I thought I was having what we call Braxton Hicks. After three days of the discomfort becoming um, more uncomfortable, I drove myself again to the emergency room, only to find out that I was in preterm labor with my twin girls. I had to see a specialist, stayed overnight, had to see a specialist the next day who told me that I had uh, what was considered an incompetent cervix and I needed a McDonald's surclage. For the non doctors in here, a McDonald's surclage is stitch in the cervix. So I had to go into uh, an emergency procedure that day by myself at the hospital. I was living in Georgia at the time, my family is here in Ohio, to have a McDonald's surclage put in my, my cervix to keep my cervix from continuing to open because at 18 weeks, those babies could not survive on their own. After that, I continued to see Uh, receive medication to stop or limit my contractions. I stayed in the hospital 16 weeks total. I fought very hard to hold on to those babies. While I was um, extremely anemic, had to have an iron transfusion over six hours, four hours into it, had an extreme allergic reaction. I weigh more today than I did when I gave birth to my twins. I could not put on any weight. I was eating three meals a day that were very hearty to help me gain weight, even drinking Boost. And for those who don't know what Boost is, it's like a dairy type of drink that you get to help you gain weight. Um, around 27, 28 weeks, because I was still contracting, the doctors gave me betamethasone, again for all those non-doctors in here. It, Um, matures the baby's lungs in case of an emergency where they have to be delivered, and also reduces bleeding of the brain for for the babies. At exactly 34 weeks to the day, on a Wednesday, 10 o'clock in the morning, they decided to remove the surclage because I continued to con- contract and um, my health would have continued to be at risk. They thought that because I was contracting, when they removed the this, stitches this from my cervix, that I would go into labor on my own and maybe deliver the babies within a couple of days. That was 10 o'clock in the morning. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, the doctors came in and said we have to do an emergency C-section. I had been contracting from the time they took the stitches out and my contractions continued to worsen. I went into an emergency C-section at 34 weeks. Again, I fought very hard for those babies. And I know some of my colleagues believe that when women tell their stories, they exaggerate. But we can check the record. I will sign a release of information so you can understand how important it was for me to make sure that those babies came to be even realizing that at some point in time, I may have had to make a tough decision. After that, after giving birth to my girls, whose names are Hope and Faith, I got it from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I had become a victim of sexual assault. And thank God, I did not become pregnant from that situation, but I can imagine being a woman who looked at someone who had their hands wrapped around my neck, who was willing to take me away from the babies that I fought so hard to have. I could not imagine not being protected by my fellow colleagues here, in that case, and being forced to bring a child to term. There's not a week that doesn't go by that I don't think about that situation how I was hopeless, that I had no control over the situation, that my life flashed before my eyes, my daughter's hope and faith life flashed before my eyes, and I would be looking to my colleagues here to provide some protection for me and women who are similarly situated as I am. My story is not unique. This is why I am here at the State House. This is why I bring my voice, to represent those people who are just like me. It is not my education. It is not the service to this country. It is only because I recognize what they go through, because I too go through it. When we talk about protecting life, 83% of my neighbors in the district live in unaffordable housing that contributes to infant mortality. So when we have babies that come to this world, and then we don't put measures in place that they can live, it's unacceptable. We have food insecurity. Um, In my district and others, it is a crisis across the state. When children cannot go, I mean, go without food, and we are not working as diligently as we are right now on this bill to make sure that they have food and that parents don't have to make the decision of not eating so their children can eat or, or one child is eating and the other one isn't. We have to ration out our foods. This is unacceptable. So, I want my colleagues to understand that we already, we have women dying in childbirth I want the same outrage for that. I want the same protections for fetuses, for women who are victims of intimate partner violence, domestic violence, sexual assault. I want protections for women who are dying giving birth to children, but because they can't get the right health care because there are um, health disparities and uh, cultural competence issues we need to be addressing that. We need to be just as diligent. And so for my colleagues who always come up to me and say, I read your article, thank you for sharing your story, I look forward to continuing working with you, and I hope that you understand that this, this, these are issues that, we, we, that divide us. We need to be working on things that unite us, that helps us continue to be a, a state where people want to come. And so for that, I ask that my, my legislators keep these things in mind. I urge a no vote on this bill.
1: Chair recognizes Representative Sobeki.
5: Today I stand with women across Ohio opposing Senate Bill 23. As a young 20-something, I know what it's like to have a hatchet at your neck, to be forced into your home for hours upon hours and be raped. I know what it feels like to find out the day before you go before the judge to testify about your experience, to find out that you are nine weeks pregnant. I know what it's like to have to call your family talk to your friends, and look, and look around, and grab the support systems. I know what it's like to go and speak with your priest, with your family, to make a decision about what is right for my body. I know what it's like to talk to a medical professional about the whole process, being informed Understanding, making decisions. I know if well, that's right. Your colleague on this floor. I know what it's right. When the first days I came on, the, came in this building, that I had to contact security, and make sure they knew that if my rapist were to ever get out of prison through escaping, that I was protected. I know what it's like every time I've ever been employed. I've been a victim each and every time. That was over 30 years ago, and still today, I'm the victim. This bill does not allow incest and rape to have abortions. This bill is dictating to women what we should do in regards to our bodies. I ask my colleagues to think about the conversations we've had in the last four months getting to know each other. You got to know me. I ask my colleagues to now think about this story and had you changed your mind if you knew about it earlier. But we have a vote that will be taken soon. And I ask my colleagues to vote no In all,
1: we heard from 13 members of the House Democratic Caucus, each speaking against the bill, most raising amendments to try and change the bill uh, in a better way, to add exceptions for rape, incest, to protect the health of pregnant women uh, and families. Um, Many amendments were offered. All were rejected by the Republican Caucus. Then it came time to vote. The question is, should the bill pass? The House will prepare and proceed to vote on the bill. Therefore, having received the required As protests erupted in the House gallery, uh, the House members voted the bill passed 56 to 40. The ACLU of Ohio has already pledged a lawsuit, which they announced hours before Mike DeWine signed the bill. So we'll keep you updated next week. Uh, I'll talk to everybody later.